HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This program is sponsored by Cane Vineyard and Winery. For more information, go to cane5.com. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curtain, hosted by Ann Saxelby, broadcast live to the Cosmos on the Heritage Radio Network. It is Monday afternoon, and welcome to another episode of Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby. My co-host is Sophie Schlesinger. Hi, everybody. And today we are joined by Elizabeth Fassberg, who is a registered dietitian, as well as the president and founder of Eat Food, and also her son, Jack, who might chime in from time to time <laughs> to tell us about his favorite food, which I've been told is cheese, which is very exciting for us, because, of course, we all, we all agree. Yes. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Elizabeth has, um, been working, uh, with, uh, nutrition for a while, has, uh, consulted with, uh, a number of organizations, including, uh, the NYC health department, Weight Watchers, the YWCA and Unilever. And, uh, we're really excited to have her on the show to talk a little bit about cheese and nutrition. So thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. I'm really happy to be here. Um, so I guess um, if you could start by just telling us a little bit about your background and how you got into the field of nutrition um, in general, that would be great. Sure. So I consider myself a foodie dietitian because my background is all about food and how to eat really wholesome, delicious food and not always focus on the vitamins and minerals, but talk about real food, delicious food and how it actually tastes. Um, so going back, um, I started I started my career in food um, when I was 14. I took a cake decorating class at a local bakery. And um, when I finished my class, they hired me to work there. And I was young, but I loved it so much that I started decorating cakes. And I definitely came from a family who was totally into food. And can- my grandmother canned, and we had homemade pies, and... Um, we belonged to an environmental center, and we had homemade bread. And where so did you grow up? I grew up in on Long Island. Oh, okay, great. In um, first in Stony Brook, and then we moved to Port Jefferson. Awesome, awesome. So, to- well, tons of uh, amazing agriculture yeah. out that way. Yeah, yep, definitely potato farms and um, lots of lots of good food. Um, as long as you knew where to buy it, exactly. 
Exactly. And so, um, so 14, I love it. My first job was at 14 also. I worked in an ice cream store. So I feel like, yeah, sometimes you get bit by the bug early. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so then from there, yeah, how did you sort of work your way into, you know, the official field of, uh, of so nutrition dietitian? I went back to, um, I went to college because that's what I had to do. My parents were like, you're not going to cooking school. You're going to get a degree <laughs> from a university. And um, so I I went to University of North Carolina and I graduated with a degree in um, in journalism. And after college, I moved back to New York City and I worked at a magazine as an editor. And that job kind of evolved into food editing and then food styling. And then I left the magazine and um, started doing all pretty much food stuff. And it was really inspired by um, a class I was teaching it was a volunteer program that I was doing through the New York Women's Culinary Alliance, and mm. it was teaching kids who lived in transitional housing how to cook. And it was at um, Peter Comps, which is now ICE, Institute of Culinary Education, and they donated the space every month, and 23 kids would come, and they would cook, and we would cook. Cook, we'd make cookies and cakes and all those yummy things. And I thought to myself, wow, they need more than cookies and cakes yeah. and mm. unhealthy food. They need nutrition education. And so I decided, wow, I need something more than food styling in my life. I need to go back to grad school. And that's when I went to get a degree in nutrition. Wow. And where did you get your degree? I went to NYU. Okay. Yeah, they have a a master's in studies. It was a master's in public health is what I actually got. And then I, while I was doing that, I became a registered dietitian. Wow. 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 So that's interesting that you labeled yourself as a foodie dietitian because yeah. I feel like I took one nutrition class. I actually attended NYU as well. Um, oh, okay. I studied, I studied art, but I was made to take, you know, science classes. And so that was my way of getting out of a science class. I was uh-huh. like, I like food. I'll take a nutrition class. Yeah. And, you know, I felt like my teacher wasn't so, um, I feel like I'm going about this in the long way, but I'm thinking there are two camps of dietitians. Um, I think there are those that are probably more, you know, interested in the counting of, you know, calories and the vitamin A and the vitamin B. And then there are people like you who encourage a more holistic approach. Would you agree? I I think so. And I think the field is changing a lot. And I think it's opening up, whereas more, you would find definitely many more dietitians who are very interested in food and how it's grown, where it comes from, and how delicious it tastes. I think in a in a way we get stereotyped into that like traditional hospital role right. whereas many dietitians now aren't doing that at all yeah that's what i was going to ask like of your class when you were in school was it did you feel kind of like the odd woman out being someone who was so into food and eating or were were a lot of your classmates like that? i mean i would say definitely a little bit because yeah. i was like don't you know how to cook like yeah. how are you going to teach people about fiber if you don't know how to use it in a recipe that's a really interesting point yeah um and and a lot of what i do in my practice like my office has a kitchen in it because yeah. when i have a client I always tell them, wait a minute, let's just go make a recipe. Let's cook something together. And then they see, wow, it's actually not that hard to do it. Right. And then they feel confident. And then they're like, wow, I could, I could make you know, a grilled chicken breast. And I could actually use whole grains. And I could sprinkle some you know, fresh cheese on it. And healthy food can taste actually delicious. It doesn't have to taste bad. Yeah. So that's yeah. really cool. That yeah. link between actually cooking 
and knowing the science of it is so crucial because isn't it true that a lot of nutritional elements actually change with the cooking process yeah and I don't I think a lot of that still is so misunderstood it's like you know it's like the difference between taking a vitamin versus eating a food you know if you eat broccoli Broccoli has so much more in it than fiber and vitamin C. It's so, they don't even understand it because the science of nutrition is also pretty new. I mean, turn of the century, that's when vitamins and minerals were really being looked at. Um, So I think it's all very, very new and very, and that's why I always say to people, like, eat the food because you know it's got something in it. We've been eating it for centuries and centuries, and it's going to be better for you than a pill or just not getting the real food and more fun yeah totally everyone loves having you know a little plate of steamed broccoli more than you know well me anyways yeah taking a pill you know um and so who are some of your clients now how have you put your your degree to into practice so um i think the benefits of being a foodie nutritionist is that i got hired by jamie oliver's group and so i've been working with him um in with his LA project, which is this mobile teaching kitchen. And um, it's been really fun because I've been able, it's been about food. I've had Mm -hmm. to kind of pull back the nutrition a little bit and really focus much more on, on food. And so what, what does, um, can you tell us a little bit about that project, what it does and who it reaches? So, um, the first year it was funded by the California endowment and, um, it went to low income catchment areas in, in LA, around the LA area. And what I did was I designed the curriculum and I worked on the recipes to make sure that they, um, met specific guidelines. So I'm conscious of vitamins, minerals, fat, sodium, but I also am not going to sacrifice flavor and taste, which I think is what he's all about. I just had to make sure that it was within the guidelines that were okay. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And is that only a, a California-based program, or is that national? Right now, it's in California, and um, hopefully it will, you know, it will come, it'll definitely be national at some point i'm trying to do a program this summer with boys and girls clubs here because it was at one of the sites for the truck was challengers boys and girls club in um in south la it's one of the largest boys and girls clubs so and it's such a good outlet because the kids go there every day and you can really teach them and they're great kids and Everybody loves food. Like when you do a cooking class, kids love it. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, what's the response? And do you get a lot of resistance to certain kinds of foods? Or is everyone just really eager to learn? I think in most cases, when you're in that situation, there's definitely yucks and yums and, oh, I would eat this or I wouldn't eat this. But typically, when you work with kids and you let them kind of touch it and feel it, and chop it and smell it and and be able to say yuck or yum or I like this or I don't like this usually you get a good response. Yeah. yeah. Like I've been working with kids for over 20 years. So um, I'm much older than <laughs> than maybe you think. Um, anyway, <laughs> so it's been a long time, and I've kind of watched that journey, and, and I just look at the kids now, and I'm like, yeah, kids are kids, and they'll try things. And, I mean, even with my son, it's like if I get, if I'm cooking with him, he'll taste it. He'll be like, mm, yeah. yeah, or no, I don't like it. And, and at least they're being exposed to it so they can say, oh, I've had this before, I don't like it, or I remember this, I love it, I'm going to have it again, you know, instead of never even 
really knowing about it until they're much older. Exactly. And one of the things that we do and what we have tried to do with the classes and something that I always try to do when I'm teaching kids in low-income neighborhoods is to expose them to different things, but also make sure that they can buy it themselves. The other one. (laughs) Jack's chiming in. Jack, do you want to say hi to everybody on the radio? Do you want to say hi to your dad? Or say hi to somebody? Say hi, Daddy. Hi, Daddy. (laughs) Good job. All right. Thank you. Um, so, uh, well, actually, and with, with that, I think yeah. it's time for a quick break, but when we come back, um, we're going to talk more about, uh, your work and then also about how we can learn more about, uh, I cheese and nutrition. So twice. stick with us on cutting the curd. I want twice. <laughs> All of us at Kane Vineyard and Winery are proud to support Heritage Radio Network and the growing movement to change the way we eat and think about our planet. For more information, go to kane5.com. All right, and with that, we are back on Cutting the Curd. We are on Heritage Radio Network, which is in the backyard of Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you can come visit us anytime, uh, well, when you're having a pizza outside, you can look at us here in the studio. Um, And if you want to learn more about the other shows on the network, you can check it out at heritageradionetwork.com. So we are here today with Elizabeth Fassberg, who is a registered dietitian um, and the president and founder of Eat Food. And we've been talking about her work um, teaching kids how to cook, going from a food lover to a dietitian so she can spread not only her love of food but the the ways uh, that it's actually best to eat it and best for us um, and so I, I'm really curious to know um, how uh, you got into the cheese side of things I know you and Sophie met um, at the Parmesan Expo yes. so it was at the Five Borough Bike Tour Expo and there were all of these, you know, stands that you could visit as you were picking up your pi- your pass for the bike tour, and a lot of them were power aid or power powder that that sort of stuff. But there was this one stand that was all Parmesan cheese, which I was doling out to people, and all these people were asking why why Parmesan, why are you here, how is this healthy? And Elizabeth was there to to give a lecture, so which I thought was great and immediately thought it'd be great to talk about on the show. So maybe you can tell us how you hooked up with them and and, uh, what you think about eating cheese. So um, I was at the Five Borough Bike Tour event because I was asked by Parmigiano Reggiano to represent the cheese and to talk about how Parmesan cheese actually makes a good... um, something good to eat while you're biking as well as a recovery food and um and i said sure i can promote parmigiano reggiano cheese because i love it and yeah. jack here do you like parmigiano reggiano cheese oh, God. <laughs> yes he likes that was a yes <laughs> um so 
We love, I mean, I love the cheese. I think it's delicious. And I also think that it has a lot of health benefits that people don't even think about. I mean, we think of cheese as being high in saturated fat, high in calories, and, and not good for you. But um, really, cheese can be perfectly healthy as long as you eat it in moderation. And... Um, it has nutritional benefits. So as a dietitian and a foodie kind of person, I always think, well, first off, does it taste good? And second off, you know, what are the benefits to my body? Not necessarily analyzing the, the criteria, but actually Parmigiano-Reggiano has 30%, an ounce has 30% of your calcium for the day. It's a complete protein. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah, for a woman who needs 1,000 milligrams a day or yeah. even for... Um, you know, teens who need more, just packing a little domino-sized block of cheese is a third of your calcium. And, yeah. you know, it's one of the minerals that we're deficient. A lot of people are deficient in, especially women and kids. Um, so the nutritional benefits are are they're good for you. Um, you don't need that much. It has a strong flavor, so an ounce is very satisfying. It's easily digested because of the way it's produced. It's, you know, the way it's produced also, so much care is taken in the way it's produced that you're just like, wow, you know, special cows, special region of Italy. Um, it has... You know, it can. It has to be aged a certain amount of time. The person taking care of the cheese has to have very specific training. You know, eight to ten years. That's how much time it takes for someone here to be a brain surgeon. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you know, I often do that if, if I'm ever at work, and I, I think I'm really lucky that I work in cheese because if I ever I get crabby when I get hungry, and so if I ever really need a, a little quick fix, a chunk of Parmesan, yeah. yeah, it totally totally does the trick. Yeah, it's so but good. it's only it's only 110 calories between 110 and 130. There it, there's a range. Um, so you think about it, if you have anything, it's any kind of snack, it's going to have at least that many calories. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. A really and it's good protein. Point. It's a complete protein. All cheese is a complete protein. Has vitamin B12. You know, so it's very satisfying. You don't you don't need to eat that much. Yeah. Can you explain really quickly what a complete protein means in a food so, for all this? Sure. So when we talk about complete protein, it means that it has all of the essential amino acids. So those are the amino acids that we can't make in our body. We have to ingest something in order to get those amino acids. Um, And so having it in one food, a lot of times it's like beans and rice. The the combination completes the protein, but on on their own, they're not complete. Interesting. Hmm. Magical cheese. (laughs) I love it. I totally love it. So now let me ask, um, are there, you you mentioned, you know, teens and women um, being more in need of calcium. Are there different groups of people who, you know, benefit greater from dairy and cheese? Um, For instance, I don't know, young kids or teenagers versus older people. I mean, I think everybody can eat cheese. There's no reason that it has to be specific to a group. And I think that especially now where we have all these artisan cheesemakers and there's beautiful cheeses out there it's like jack and i always go to the cheese store um in our neighborhood which happens to be ideal cheese and um we go there and we just taste cheese and it's delicious and he loves it and he'll ask you know 
I'll let him be the first taster and just taste it because it's all these flavors from all around the world and, you know, special cows that are producing this cheese or sheep or goats. And, um, and so he, um, and, and so it's, it's a good experience and also it's good for him and, and it's fine for everybody to eat cheese again about, it's about moderation. And what would moderation be in terms of, I know you said an ounce of Parmesan. I have been known to eat, <laughs> I would say, a, pardon me, a quarter pound of cheese at a time. And I know I'm probably an extreme example because I work in cheese and part of the job is we have to like taste right. a lot of stuff. But what, what would you say would be a good amount of cheese for somebody to consume in the course of a day? I mean, probably, you know, an ounce is a serving. And, and honestly, it really depends on how your calorie and fat intake for the day. So if that's your main source of calories, then again, it could fit. You could have more mm. or less depending on your total calories. Okay. Um, and I was also wondering, what about, um, can we talk a little bit about lactose intolerance and, um, yeah. you know, sort of dairy allergies and stuff? Um, as a cheesemonger, I have a lot of people who come to the store and they say they're lactose intolerant. They say they can't eat soft cheese or they say, you know, I can eat goat and sheep, but not cow. Can you talk a little bit about why people have different sensitivities and things like that? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely different sensitivities and a lot of times the Sometimes it's the lactose, and sometimes it's other enzymes in the cheese that cause the allergy. And um, goat, I mean, definitely lactose is definitely usually with the cow's milk cheese. Um, but I thought lactose, I mean, I thought the vast majority of it was converted to lactic acid when the cheese was being produced. A aged cheeses, and so some of the 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 cheese that isn't like parmigiano reggiano is definitely lactose free mm -hmm. um and so anyone with a lactose but some people are actually allergic to the casein in the in the cheese uh, and which so, is the protein right? yeah okay. and so that's maybe what's causing it and they don't know if they're lactose or casein right. sensitive ah okay so that's why and and i always tell people like sometimes they need to they need to taste it and see if it's actually going to bother them or not. Yeah. Especially if they taste a little bit, they can usually tell. Right, right. And I cut you off about the goat, the goat and sheep. You were saying that that yeah. can be easier for people? Yes, to digest. And, um, and a lot of times people can eat, even people with lactose intolerance, some people can eat, can eat yogurt and, um, and other fermented uh, yogurt drinks. <laughs> hey Jack, we wanted to ask you a question. Um, what's your favorite kind of cheese? Uh, drunk and goat. Drunk and goat. Drunk and goat. <laughs> wow. That is so great. Do you know, Jack? We just two weeks ago we had the lady here in the studio who brings all the drunk and goat cheese from Spain. Yeah. Michelle? Yes, yeah. Michelle Buster, who's oh, yeah. from Forever Cheese. We know Michelle. Michelle's oh our gosh. friend. That's hilarious. <laughs> if you would have asked me that question when I was Jack's age, I would have said American. Yeah. I think that was like, or maybe cheddar. That yeah. was like the only ones, or those are the only ones that I knew. <laughs> we don't buy processed cheese. Yeah. Good for you guys. Good for you guys. That is really, I don't really even great. know if Jack would like it. <laughs> um, so now, what about, um, and this is a little bit more on the controversial side of things, but what are your thoughts on, uh, on raw milk and raw milk cheeses? Um, I guess they're two, in my mind they're two totally separate issues fluid raw milk and raw milk cheese present different 
health risks. But yeah, what, what's your opinion of those? Um, so there is definitely a lot of controversy with the raw milk cheeses. And I know that the U.S. is much stricter about the cheeses. They have to be um, aged for two months. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that the incidence of problems with cheese that are raw milk cheese is a lot lower than pasteurized cheese. Um, the incidence of listeria or other issues with mm-hmm. raw milk. So... Me, personally, I don't worry about it. I don't have any... Um, I'm not immune... One sec. I don't... Oh, you can eat it. Um, I'm not immune compromised. I don't have um, issue, any health issues, and I also give it to Jack. I'm not worried about that. It's not something I am concerned about. If somebody said to me, I... That's something I wouldn't eat. You know, if one of my clients came to me and said, oh, I'm nervous about it, then I would say, that's fine. Avoid it. Um, Don't risk it. But, you know, if something like Parmigiano-Reggiano, also, it it depends on soft cheeses and hard cheeses. The the risk of listeria in hard cheeses is a lot less lower than in soft cheeses. But me personally, I don't worry about it. Yeah. And do you know of any nutritional um, sort of like reports or papers that have been done on like health benefits of raw milk cheese or raw milk versus, um, you know, uh, pasteurized or not so much? I don't, but I know I would say that flavor is definitely affected. And Mm. again, it's like I, I haven't read that much about raw milk cheeses um, only because we can only get them here in sm- at small farms or they're so strict unless you're traveling through Europe which we've done and right. I don't worry about it yeah. um, but here you know we have we're strict about certain things and other things we're totally not which doesn't make sense yeah 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 that's true um, well, thank you for enlightening us on all the healthful yeah. properties of cheese. So everyone, I feel like all of our listeners should feel contented to know that, you know, a serving of cheese a day or, uh, you know, or more, depending on, yeah. on who you are, how old you are, what else you eat is definitely a healthy way to get calcium, protein, a whole host of other good stuff. Um, and if people want to learn more about um, your work um, and uh, um, if they want to contact you, for instance, uh, to become a client, do you have a website? Um, I do. They can go to um, www.eatfood, one word, E-A-T-F-O-O-D dot biz, B-I-Z. Fantastic. Well, cool. thank you so much for yeah. being on the show and for giving us um, so much great information. And uh, I hope uh, you'll come back on someday and we can do, you know, why cheese is good for you part two. Yeah. Can never be too much of that out there, in my opinion. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. All right. Well, we'll be back next Monday with another episode of Cutting the Curd. Till then, stay tuned. Bye. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.